Uh, we're in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18. I'll read and then we'll pray. Um, we're in verse 18, the smallest town of the seven, the longest letter. And unto the angel, and by the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's, it's about the Roman Catholic Church. And I will make that case, and I think I will make it so that nobody can deny it, really. And, uh, but uh, no joy. You say, well, you're picking on Catholics. No, I'm just teaching the Bible. Next week we'll get into Sardis, which would be the Protestant Reformation, where Jesus says nothing good about this Sardis church whatsoever. You say, well, if you're a Protestant, how do you justify that? Well, stay tuned. Next week we'll talk about it. But here's the thing. Uh, like I say, I, I don't, I, I just, I'm just a messenger. I just, I just, and like I say, I'll make the case. And, and if you're offended, well, again, next week come and, Protestants will be offended. We're equal opportunity here. We offend everyone. You stay around here long enough, you can get your toes stepped on. It's all there's to it. Uh, let's read verse 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest, that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication. She repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of thy attire, and as many as have not the doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a the rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an heir, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God, would you bless to our understanding this word. And it's here for a reason. And all scriptures given by inspiration is profitable for, among other things, doctrine. We would have good doctrine, Lord. And we would know the things that you would have us to know. And Lord Father, because this is a, you know, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we pray that you would roll back the evil that is abortion. and It's a stain and a blight. And if we're going to enter into a period of judgment here in the United States, who can say we're not? We don't deserve uh, as much. Uh, Lord, we love you and we love life and we uh, want to minister to those who are in that really tough situation and we pray your blessing on the center, Lord, on all the, all the pregnancy centers here in the, the state, Lord. And, and you, just, you just use, you know, ones like our sister Wendy and Penny up in, up in Bangor, Lord, to to just make a difference in people's lives and help them from making disastrous choice. And Lord, uh, Suze was talking about the, for the legislature coming up, you know, if I know what I think I know, I would say any bill that's even slightly pro-life is dead on arrival. But Lord, aren't you the God of 
magnificent wonders and works and you can change hearts and you can do a you can do miracles lord and so so we pray and we'll continue to pray lord for your great blessing we ask it in jesus name amen so to review and by the way i would have set it up so chapter two would end last week because there's a difference between the first three letters and the last four letters last four letters jesus will these will be in play when Jesus comes. The first was the apostolic age, and we said that was ended in, well, started on Pentecost, ended in circa 100, okay? And the next was the Smyrna church, and that ended in 313, it was about 100 to 313, that was the suffering church. Say, well, suffering still happens, but not, not the whole body of Christ like it was at that time, was under persecution. And then uh, we saw a uh, Pergamus, perverse marriage, where the where the state and religion went to bed together, and it was a it was a perverse marriage. It always is. Now here, Thyatira, it's like it's still they're having that marriage, but now the church takes kind of power over the state, and it plunges the world into the dark ages. And it's not a a wonderful time in history. And it's not a wonderful time in the Church of Jesus Christ. Under the angel, the messenger of the church at Thyatira. What's Thyatira mean? Well, according to Arnold Frachtenbaum, one of my, uh, I lean heavily on his uh, scholarship, and he says it means continual or perpetual burning. And it kind of almost has the idea of, of the mass right there. He says, write to the, to the angel of the third church of Thyatira, write, these things say it, the Son of God, who hath his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. So he borrows these two idioms from chapter 1 of himself. What do you think about when you think about Jesus Christ? Eyes of flame of fire. Well, verse 23 at the end of it, I will give every, unto every one of you according to your works. You don't want Jesus to give according to your works. You want him to give according to his mercy, according to his grace. There's so many people, and, and, and of course the church in Thyatira would be these people who think that, well, you know, I'll stand before God, and he'll look at the good, he'll look at the bad, he'll weigh them all up, and if I've done good enough, I'm in. Where do you guys get such a notion? I don't understand it. There's not one shred of scriptural, there's nothing like that anywhere in scripture, and the majority of people believe it. Because, uh, uh, by the way, when I talk about this, it, my heart is very, very heavy. This is the, the Sunday above all that I don't want to teach Scripture. Uh, I think I know what I'm talking about, having been an expatriated Catholic. But, I, but it, my heart is heavy because my family's still in that system. Now, are there born-again people in that system? We'll see that they are, there are. And we'll see that he's going to commend people in that system for really good things. If, if I keep moving, we'll see that, right? So we're not, we're against some of the doctrine that's wrong, and he's against too. But the first thing I just want to establish is when he says, his eyes are like a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. That's not supposed to give you a warm fuzzy. Ah, oh, Jesus, so huggable, so lovable. Eyes like a flame of fire, feet he, he's been through the furnace. This establishes that the fact that he can be our judge. And he's, talk, he's moving out in judgment. I think it's a book of Joel calls this period of the, 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 the 
time of Jacob's troubles, the seven-year tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, however you want to call it, God calls it his work, his strange work. You're saying strange? He's not? He does judgment, but he'd rather be our savior. He'd rather be gracious to us. And then there's a point where we're saying, no, thank you. Judge me according to my works. And he's like, you really want that, huh? And it's, it's, it's altogether not pretty. And this is establishing his, he's the judge. Now, he knows thy works. Why? Well, he's got eyes like a flame of fire. You guys like clothes? I see all worm. Good idea. I like clothes because you can't really see where the clothes end and where I begin. I always have plenty of them on. I don't care if it's summertime and it's sweltering. I wear a lot of clothes. I wear long sleeves to the beach, okay? I'm just, I like clothes, okay? Clothes are good. They're useless in front of God. You think he... He can see past clothes. He can see down into our heart. He can see our mind. He can see the reason we make the selections. Well, even if we do good things, if we're trying to do good things just so everyone will see us and give us an applause. So look at how holy and how wonderful this person is. God sees right down to our, our soul. Everything is open uh, before uh, our God. And these, this is the idea of our eyes like a flame of fire. But he says, I know your works, but they're good works. He says, I know your works and your charity. Listen to what I'm saying. I know about your love and your service and your faith and your... Are these good things? Patience, is that a good thing? Is love a good thing? These are good things. He says, hey, I know. I'm not unaware of what's going on. I see these things and the last to be more than the first. Okay, you have love going on. You have works, you have service, you have patience, hoopamony, the ability to hold up under. It kind of talks about our steadfastness, our even in pressure, we don't fold like a, like a cheap tent. We, we maintain. He says, I'm seeing that, and I see that you're growing in these things, that the last to be more than the first. Now, he has good things to say about this church. If I wax eloquent about the Catholic Church, I will have good things to say about it as well. You know, I ain't a scarred adult because I was a little child, and when, you know, I was an altar boy, bad things happened to me. Not at all. My remembrance is like growing up, I had a kind of idyllic childhood. Like, you know, there were problems like everybody's childhood. But my involvement with Catholicism was positive. There's no scars. I'm not trying to, I don't have an axe to grind. My problem is they're not teaching the truth. That's the whole thing, okay, the whole thing. Uh, and I say, of course, I get a heavy heart because everyone I know who's named Kasperzak, these things would be true about them, service and faith and patience and works. And he's calling them out. He says, hey, I'm not unaware. I know these things. And you're growing in them, notwithstanding. Ugh notwithstanding. Don't you hate that word? Jesus for a report card of you. Hey, you're doing this? Great. You're doing this? Fabulous. You're doing, uh, notwithstanding. Uh, notwithstanding. But he's got some concerns. He's going to voice them. I have a few things against thee. It's significant things. But thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Is that a problem? Yeah, I wonder how inside of the first, this was written about 95, 96 AD. 
How inside the first century a woman is teaching in a church? That blows my mind. Now, how did this church come into being? We don't know exactly. We know that in the book of Acts, when Paul goes to a place called Philippi, he's meeting some people down by the river and he shares the gospel. One of these ladies is a businesswoman. Her name is Lydia. She has a home in Philippi, but she's from Thyatira, where she probably maintains a home too. Remember, she's a seller of purple. The idea is purple dyed garments, which is Thyatira is famous for. Well, here she is selling these, and she meets up with Paul, and she gets saved. Now, did she go, and the Bible says, whose heart the Lord opened? I love that. I feel like that's what happened to me. You know, I was going along fat, dumb, and happy, didn't care about God, and God just reached in and grabbed my heart and opened it to the things concerning the Lord. Maybe that's true of you as well. So he, he opened her heart, and she became a believer. Did she go back to Thyatira in the, in the course of business? I don't know. Did she establish a church there? I don't know. Remember, Paul taught two years at Ephesus. That was the first church. You know, did it, did it catch on, like right along that wheel that we talk about, this ancient postal route that is the seven churches? I don't know. If she established the church, maybe it would be natural for, you know, a woman to follow up like, yeah, that's fine, no problem. Um, her name, I don't believe, is Jezebel. I think that's used symbolically here because, one, we don't name our daughter's Jezebel. You know, we'll say, that Jezebel. Like, any of you guys ever you know, thought about that, you know, when you're having a daughter as a possible name? Probably not. We don't name our sons uh, Judas or Nimrod or a lot of Bible names with a real bad connotation, right? Jezebel would be one of them. By the way, it's a Sidonian name. This is Western Turkey, not the same even geography. I think he's making an appeal to historical Jezebel and saying this is what the church is like. This is the teaching. This is the problem. What do we know about Jezebel? She's a Sidonian princess. She marries a king called Ahab, and they live in the northern kingdom. When the kingdom split, you remember, is Saul, David, Solomon, United Kingdom. The kingdom split, and the northern kingdom was under a man named Jeroboam, who taught Israel to sin, and he, has, he introduces idol worship, and he puts a calf in Dan and Bethel, which is the northern and southern border of the northern kingdom, and he has people worship them so they don't have to go down to the temple in Jerusalem. He's, he's afraid he's going to lose his power. He's, everyone's going down there to worship. The kingdom will be you know, coalesce back into one, and he's going to be out of, you know, he's not going to be a king anymore. And that goes on, that goes on, until this Ahab marries a woman named Jezebel. She comes in, and she introduces Baal worship. Now, this worship had gone on before is a false worship of the true God, because he said, you know, okay, this is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt. And he had precedence for that, because Aaron said the same thing. It was altogether untrue, it was idol worship, but it was idol worship based on the true God. Jezebel, her, what her deal was is something different altogether. A new God. Now sexual perversion is the norm in worship, and they're worshiping a God altogether different from the God of the Bible. yod Hey, vav Hey, yahweh or however you would say. Okay, so it's, it's different worship. Now what is the one thing that we know about Jezebel? Listen, <laughs> The only per person I know who like ferrets these things out is Chuck Missler. Listen to Chuck Missler on the book of the Revelation. 
chapter 2, verse 18. You can look up Missler, Revelation 2, 18, and it's about an hour and a half, and he gets into a lot of details that not a lot of other people do. But I listened to 10 sermons this week on this portion, and Chuck's the only one who brings this out. And I think that Jezebel, in my thinking, is famous for this. You know, Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal, you know, her showdown with Elijah, and all that stuff. But before that, in I can't remember... Second Kings. Oh, because it's First Kings. I'm done. Okay, First Kings chapter twenty-one. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Now you guys remember the story. This is where we know more about Jezebel than any other part of Scripture. Well, I'm going to read the whole thing, and I want to take the time. Um, what happens is. So Naboth has a vineyard, and Ahab wants it, and it's close to his palace. Hey, Naboth, give me your vineyard, or sell it. You know, I'll trade you, whatever you want. Blank check, he's a wealthy man. And Naboth says, whoa, 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 hold on, king. How can I do this? God said we can't sell our land. This is my inheritance. This is, this is my father's, what he handed down to me. I'm going to give it to my children. Yeah, I can't sell this. So Ahab throws a hissy fit and has a, a pout, a royal pout. And he's back in the kingdom, and he, he, he won't eat. And Jezebel says, hey, king, what's the deal? He says, like, oh, and just has a, because he's a drama queen. And so what does Jezebel do? Don't worry, honey, I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she writes a letter to uh, um, Jezreel, I believe it is, where Naboth comes from and says, I want you to proclaim a fast, set Nabal on high at the fast, and I want you to have two guys who hire them, because the mouth of two or three witnesses maybe would be established, hire these guys to testify against Naboth that he, one, blasphemed God, two, blasphemed the king, then take him out and stone him. So we already have the we already have the trial how it's going to end out, okay? We, are, we, we know what kind of justice we're going to have. We're going to drag him out, kill him, his children, and we'll just have the vineyard. That's all it is. What is it? It's an inquisition. That's exactly how inquisitions happen. Now I believe the Spanish Inquisition and the Inquisition followed. It was to rub out Protestantism. When Protestants you know, became, okay, we'll, we'll torture people into repenting. But the problem quickly became, okay, we wiped out this heretic. Now what do we do with all his stuff? Well, we can't give it to his kids because the, the children of heretics shouldn't inherit. I got it. We'll split it with the church and the local authorities. Now, if you, if you read, uh, I was talking about Wednesday night, Dave Hunt's book, A Woman Rides the Beast, he graphically talks about all the different... Listen, when somebody's knocking on your door at night and accuse you of heresy because they want your vineyard or your farmlands or your wealth, you're not going to repent enough. I repent. You repent of what? Everything you're... I just repent. I, you're wealthy. You're, you're in the crosshairs. And I'm going to get your stuff. The church is going to get your stuff. And the local authorities will get half. You see the great incentive there, the great evil incentive to behind the Inquisition? I'm sure it might have started out. And by the way, I was talking to a Catholic theologian, and I brought up the Inquisition. He said that was really a mercy, because 
hell is so awful, that torture by comparison, if they are showing you that this is a choice not to be made, that's really a, a good and a godly thing. I thought, what verse are you possibly finding that in? And where does God tell you, torture people to the point of death and death to get them to see the light? What, what, what verse, what scripture, what... But I think this is what we're talking about. I have a, you, you, te- you, you suffer that woman Jezebel, the Inquisitioner. She calls herself a prophet. Does Jesus call her a prophet? No, he does not. She calls herself a prophetess. So she's teaching and seducing my servants to commit fornication. We eat things, sacrifice, and idols. And I heard a lot of people this week talk about what, what it means to eat things, sacrifice, and idols. I think it's a spiritual. By the way, every time the woman is in Scripture in a spiritual sense, it's always talking about a religious system. Okay? A woman rides the beast. woman in chapter 12 of Revelation, we'll see, is the nation Israel. Uh, the bride of, of, of Jehovah is a woman, and that's the Jewish the Jewish Jews, uh, the, 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 the wife of Jehovah, I should say, the bride of Christ, again, a woman. So when you see a woman, you know, as a figurehead, it's of a religious system. This is a religious system, and we're seeing the woman, Jezebel, as a figurehead. Anything happened during this, um, her ad- administration, can we call it? Well, a couple of things that I just thought we might... Uh, and, and listen... Uh, these are a few things taught by the Catholic Church to this day. Okay, this is one of like a phase they were going through. One, justification by works, not simply by grace through faith. Two, baptismal regeneration, that a person is saved by baptism. These are teachings of the Catholic Church. And by the way, they're biblically, teachably, provably incorrect. Three, worship of images. Now it says, oh, wait a second, wait a second. People don't worship images. I did. I, you know, maybe you didn't. I did. Um, you know, in the, twice in this book, John will fall down before an angel, and both times the angel will say, oh, stop it, I, none of that. And, you know, in the language, the angel's coming unglued, does not want to be worshipped, does not want to have somebody bend the knee before and I think, like, yeah, that would be wrong altogether. I've talked about this at length in the past. Don't ever bend your knee or genuflect in front of another man. Ever. Kissing somebody's ring, yeah, when pigs fly, as far as I'm concerned. I, do, my knees are devoted to bending to the authority of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and no man. The exceptions, um, I, I've said this before, when you're in talking to somebody in a wheelchair and you get down to there, I I don't think God's going to be jealous of that. Or with little children, meeting them on eye level, I don't think God's upset with that. You know, it's customary for a man when he's proposing marriage to take a knee. Probably a good idea. A supplicant (laughs) begging and beseeching this woman why this really bad idea is really a good idea. Yeah, a genuflect there, I think that's fine. Uh, and of course, this will work with people in hospital beds to get down to their level and stuff like that. Other than that, I'm not bowing and scraping before. God is not, he doesn't, there's no way. There's no way. He doesn't want that. I think it, and so, so people would say, like, I remember this Catholic apologist, and the first time I heard that, he, I was saying, yeah, you're a bunch of Mary worshipers, and he said, no, 
uh, to the saints, Dulia, to Mary, Hyperdulia, to Jesus, Latriol. And so he goes Latin on me. I had to look it all up. Worship to God. Hyperdulia is like regard to Mary, but hyper, like big regard, okay? And to the saints, you regard them. You do devotion, big devotion, and then worship to God alone. And I'm thinking that one, I don't know the last two of them regarding saints or hyper-regarding Mary. I don't see it anywhere in Scripture. But beyond all that, I don't know that you're getting it down to the common man. I remember when I was a little kid, I used to, well, a little kid until I was 20 years old, I used to genuflect and bow in front of statuary and think it was a, a noble and a good and a godly thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm back to the idea Worship of images for celibacy, forbidding priests to marry, a further distinction between clergy and laity. Five, confessional, uh, where sins are confessed to a priest and then, uh, who then declares absolution of these sins. Six, purgatory, a place of confinement which is neither heaven nor hell, but a place where one has to be refined before going into heaven, and so sanctifi- sanctification is not complete at death. Transubstantiation, the concept of the continual and perpetual sacrifice of Jesus, written to Thyatira, remember, continual burning. Indulgences, where through the giving of money a person's time in purgatory could be reduced. Penance, involving the torment of one's body in order to reduce time in purgatory. And finally, Mariolatry, the worship of the Virgin Mary, her elevation to the Mother of God, and the declaration of her deity. My mom would take exception to all those things, and isn't Mary, the mother of God, that phrase doesn't appear anywhere in Scripture. Yes, she's the mother of the humanity of Jesus Christ. You know, my mom was around a whole generation before I was, like your mom was too. That's how it works, right? She's older, hopefully wiser, and she gave you birth and navigated through, you know, you through the terrible twos and all that. And did Mary do that with the humanity of Jesus Christ? Well, she certainly did. Did she do that with the deity of Jesus Christ? No. Jesus would be the creator of Mary. And so the the phrase mother of God, I just, I don't understand. Yes, Jesus is God. We all understand that. Why are you using phrases that are non-biblical? Because they kind of elevate her to some co-deity. I don't know how else to say it. So I think these are, I have a few things against you. You suffer that one Jezebel, which calls to teach and seduce my servants, commit fornication. Real fornication? No, spiritual fornication. Maybe there was sex sin involved in that. I I don't know that. Um, But I think it's, when you worship a different God besides the God, the God of the Bible, he calls that fornication. He calls that adultery. Hey, you're cheating on me. You're stepping out on me. What's what's going on here? I'm a jealous God. And we worship God and God alone. That's what the scripture tells us. And to do other, to worship other. See, because a lot of you right now are saying, "Ah, this is all well and fine and good for the Catholics, but do you worship anything more than you worship Jesus Christ? Is anything in life more important to you than Jesus Christ? I would submit that's an idol that you have to deal with. I'm looking at you. Don't <laughs> I don't think I'm. I, 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 where I rest your eyes and you say something like that, people. I, I'm just okay. 
Uh, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication. She, she repented not, and God would that we all repent. You know, when someone comes to me and they say, you know, this is happening, this is happening, we got to deal with this, and this sin stuff, I guess I want to deal with sin. But let's give God a chance to work. He wants to, he just, every time you step over the line, he crushes you like a bug because that's who God is, and he can't wait for you to mess up, and he's going to, whoa, whoa. Chill. God's good. He's our gracious heavenly Father. And when we're messing up and we're, He calls us to repentance. He gives her a chance to repent. Sadly, she would not. I, I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna cast her into a bed. She wants, she wants, uh, to commit adultery. She wants, uh, this fornication. Yeah, she's gonna be in a bed alright. Again, I think it's a, a symbol, symbol, uh, symbology here. I'm going to cast her into a bed, and then they commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Jesus just promised this woman is going into the great tribulation. Adam, you said that this woman is a Catholic church. Not all of Catholics are going into tribulation, but the day after the tribulation, is there going to be mass at St. Peter's Cathedral? Is the Pope going to... This, this Pope? Let God be the judge. This this pope he's the he's the one who says that good atheists go to heaven. What about Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He would say Psh, that's just scripture. I'm the pope. I mean think about it. Will will there be churches in session after the rapture? Many. Maybe the majority. Will, pe- will people come here? So, it's a, so Saturday night is the rapture. Will people be assembled here Sunday morning? I hope to God, no. I hope I'm not here, you know. Will some people who call themselves Christians go through the, go through the great tribulation? Jesus is saying, yes. People say, is the church going to be going the tribulation? I would submit to you, not the real church, the invisible, the bride of Christ, the real, authentic, absolute, born-again people, but will there be church services after? Because when we talk about the seven churches, Jesus is talking about Christendom, the big umbrella called Christendom, not always you as born-again people. Is Jezebel going to be here? Yeah. And her children. Those are the ones she teaches once she's corrupted I'm going to cast her in a great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. There's always that escape clause. Repentance is awesome. I mess up. I say, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. And he's like, like yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's good. We're, we're, we're back together again. Where everything's good. Repentance is awesome. I will kill her children with death. Now, that's the worst thing to be killed with right there. I'm just telling you. Uh, you have New American Standard. I will kill her children with plague is the word. Interesting, interesting in 2020 and 2021. I will kill her children with plague, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. How can you be he, he that searches the reins and the hearts? Didn't I say I have eyes like a flame of fire? I know what's going on in your heart of hearts. And I will give everyone unto you according to your works, and I am just... Sweating bullets anytime God talks like that. Lord, I don't want on my best day you to give according to my works. I want you to give according to your mercy, according to your grace. Uh, 
do, you know, it's funny that he would say this is church. I was brought up. You're going to get what you, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to get what you've got coming to you. If you've been sending up a storm, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, oh, oh, you're in a heap of trouble, mister. And a lot of people believe that. A lot of people still believe that. Well, there's some truth to that. Outside of Jesus Christ, we are judged for our works. And what happens? You know, when we read the great white throne judgment in the book of the Revelation, everyone's judged according to their works, and everyone goes to hell. Everyone in front of the great white throne judgment, whose names are not found written in the book of life. Is there another way to get to heaven? Not that I know of, other than being written in the book of life. How does that work? Jesus Christ writes your name in the book of life when you're saved. Or maybe he writes everyone's name in and crosses them out as they die without. I don't know the mechanics of it. I don't know how it works. I know if your name's not in the book of life, you're all done. How do I get my name written in the book of life? Trust Jesus for salvation. Otherwise, you're trusting your own works. That is, that is foolish beyond I, I, we can go to Revelation 21 and read it, but we've been there a lot of times. And I still got about six verses left, so let's keep going. But I say, and, but unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. Isn't that good? Why do they go to that church anyway? Because it's the only one in town. When they started the church, there was a church in town, and that was it. That's all you had. So we have people, true believers, who love Jesus, who are saved by the blood of the Lamb, who have trusted Jesus for salvation, who go into a church that has all this doctrine, and they're saying, oh, Lord, help us. What's going on here? And he's saying, listen, just hang on. Just hang on. Uh, uh, but I say unto you the rest in Thyatira, the ones I'm not going to throw into the great tribulation, are the really saved people in the Catholic Church. I was one of them. Now, now listen, uh, so I got, I got... I got saved. I was a devout Catholic. And I got, I got saved. I got saved by the blood of the Lamb. I trusted Jesus for salvation. I was still Catholic. If the rapture happened then, would I have been raptured? I believe it. I had a lot of baggage and a lot of wrong concepts and a lot of bad theology. That was the way I was brought up. But I love the Lord. I got saved. Are there Christians in the Catholic Church? I think this is saying that there are. And by the way, Someone don't, don't believe in the historical... How do you throw a 2,000-year-old lady into the Great Tribulation? That won't happen. It, it's been 2,020 years as far as we know. Is, is there a lady running around 2,020 years old that we don't know about? I'm, it's the system that he's talking about. If it's not talking about that, I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm going to put no other burden on you you are known the deep thing of Satan. You don't ha have this bad doctrine. Just hang in there. As many as have not the doctrine, have not known the deep depths of Satan, I will put upon you no other burden but that which you have already. Hold fast till I come. That, I just told you something that you should just think, oh my goodness, hold fast till I come. He just promised that this church, this Thyatira church, would be here when he came, and he mentions his return to all the churches remaining. I'll just give you the end from the beginning. Will the Sardis church, the Protestant church, be here when Jesus comes back? Yeah, yeah. That missionary church, the, the Philip, uh, Philadelphia church, will that be here when he comes? Yes, that's the one we all want to be part of. Is the Leo, lousy Laodicean, lukewarm, makes me want a puke church going to be here when he comes back? Yeah, 
And he makes reference to his return to all these churches, which is ridiculous if he's not coming back while they're still in session. The first three churches, he doesn't mention his return. Why? Because they've faded away in the history. That's the only thing you can take away from that. So here he says, uh, hold fast till I come. He's saying, but that must be a long, how do you do, just day after day, you just do the things he wants you to do. You follow him, you love him, you serve him, you worship him. It's easy peasy. I mean, he gives you the spirit to do, make the right decisions and stuff. It's not pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not religion. It's relationship with the living God. Stay faithful. Hang in there. I know things are tough. I know where you live. I get the eyes of fire. You, I can see it all. It's all open for me. I know how it's going with you. I know what's going on. Hang in there. Hang in there. I'm coming back. It's going to be a good day. Um, what's going to happen in America in 2021? You better not even think about posting anything that's against the new president or against the new Congress or against freedom of speech died in America in 2021. I'm just freedom guy. It's the only thing I care about. It's the only thing worth living in. in what you say freedom? Isn't Jesus worth? Yeah, but it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand fast. Don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. It's all about freedom, as far as I'm concerned. And losing freedom of speech. That was a dark day. Will it reverse itself? Maybe. It doesn't look like it. What's, I told you, be braced for impact. 2021, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Will there be attack on the Church of Jesus Christ in America? All signs are that it will be. What is, what's your message? What does Jesus have? What, hey, hold fast till I come. Keep on keeping on. All they can do is kill you. Unless you find someone worth dying for, you have no, you don't have anything worth living for. I don't know how else to say it. Let's keep moving. Hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Jezebel is power hungry. That's her whole thing. That's the whole thing. If you look at the Vatican, again, read the book, uh, A Woman Rides a Beast. I know someone's already ordered that and stuff. and It's, it's good. I probably have a copy kicking around somewhere. I'd probably get it out, dust it off, and loan it. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's all about, the papacy is all about temporal power in Europe during what we call the Dark Ages. That's the whole thing. Power. It's all naked, brutal power. And he's saying, power? Really? I'll give you power. Is he on power? Listen, hang out with me. I'm going to give you power. You're going to rule the nations. That's how it's going to be. Um, he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I'll give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken as shivers, even as I received of my father. Okay, I'm, I've gone. I'm going to go over, but just stay with me. This is this is Psalm two. This is the first time we read Psalm two here in this church. You guys should you probably be able to recite it as I read it. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Why do the deep state think that I don't know what's going on? I'm just paraphrasing. Perhaps, perhaps, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Read here, Christ. The people are taking counsel. Read here, conspiracy. That's what we're talking about. 
the people take counsel together against the Lord, that's yod heh the God of the Bible, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and against his anointed, that's his Christ. Let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords from us. We don't have to do what God says. We can do our own thing. He, he's not God of us. He ain't telling us what to do. <laughs> he that sitteth in heaven shall laugh. We're going to set up our own thing. We're going to bow to God. We're going to let him run our lives. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. What's God's plan? Listen to this. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I'm going to, I'm going to inaugurate I'm going to vote for, I'm the, all the electoral college, I'm going to vote for, God says, and elect Jesus Christ as sovereign of the world. And I'm going to set up his throne, and you can recount and demand a recount, and you can, none of that matters. I have my plan, and I'm going to execute it. Oh, we ain't going to let, we're, we're not going to uh, let this one rule over us. Uh, so they're taking counsel against him and against his anointed. Which one's going to win? Boy, I wonder. He that sits in heaven will laugh. He, he'll speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. You see, the Bible doesn't talk about Jesus in the Old Testament, does it? <laughs> Every page only. Uh, I have set my son this day. Uh, no, I will... I will declare unto thee, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I, I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. If Jesus says, I'll give you rulership, he has the authority to do that. It's all his. We're going to read something very exciting when we get to the um, sixth chapter. He starts opening the seals of the scroll. What's that all about? It's the title deed to the earth. And he reclaims what he has redeemed to himself. Very exciting. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, the innermost part of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Is this what he's saying? I'm going to, I'll give you rulership, and you're going to dash them. It's the same. It's the same language. He's promising, I'm going to reign, and you're going to be part of my reign. They want power. He said, I'll give you power. No problem. But do, it, do it my way. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. And by the way, I hope this goes out to every decision maker from Augusta to be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, Jesus Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. It's a wonderful blessing to put our trust in Jesus Christ. Back to, and we'll finish up here in Revelation chapter 2. Thanks for being to staying in with me. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of plotters shall they be broken to shivers, even as received of my father. And I will give them, give him the morning star. What am I going to do with a star? You can burn my pocket if I try to put it. What you, what you, morning star, thanks, but that's kind of a little bit weird. Uh, not at all. 
if you go to the end of the book, and you don't have to, I'll, I'll go there for us. In chapter 22, in the closing parts of the thing, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I'm David's late great, and I'm also his, <laughs> in the other direction, he's my late great. I'm the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. So when Jesus is promising, I'll give you the bright morning star, Jesus is saying, I'll give you myself. Now listen, we dare not turn down such a gracious, such an awesome gift. I will give you. You were earned? No, 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 no. No, we receive Jesus Christ and his gracious gift. We don't earn salvation. We receive it as a gift. Jesus, I'll give you me. And look, imagine, imagine, can you imagine? Can you wrap your brain around this? Um, no, no thanks, Jesus. I'm not, not interested. I appreciate the sentiment, but not interested. I don't think there's a hell hard enough for the person. You, you, you don't want Jesus, Christ, the Creator, the Sovereign, the Savior? Hey, I'll give you me. And we're all like, yes, yes. And there's people who are like, no, no. I, 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 can't, I can't understand. I can't wrap my brain around that. When you embrace him as the sovereign, you're not the sovereign anymore. And I know that's always a big part of the equation in some people's thinking. We ate the apple. I know good from evil. And I ain't spitting it out. And I ain't. I'm not bowing my knee. I'm not, okay, okay. It's not going to go well, but it's your choice. We're not going to torture you into <laughs> making the right choice, okay? I'm going to give him the bright morning star. He that hath an ale and hear what the Spirit says to the church. And I talked last week, I think I mixed up some people. Now, he that hath an ear is the postscript. And it was, it's just a line of demarcation because it was the overcomer's part of the body of the letter and he that hath an air is a postscript. It was vice versa. It was he that hath an air, let him hear. And then it went into the overcomer as a postscript. He's just saying, okay, this is different now. These four, and the last four churches will have the same format. And I think it's just his way of, because it covers all the same bases. We still have the overcomer. What happens to the overcomer here? Um, I'll give him power over the nations. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron. And I'm going to give him the morning star. Awesome, awesome. Especially when we review who the overcomers are. You'll really like this. And then he that and there. Because well, I'm not Catholic. I never was Catholic. I don't care about any of this stuff. Are you an idolater? Are you involved in the deep things of Satan? Are you, is somebody or something more important to you than Jesus Christ? You have to repent. That's all there is to it. I, I, trust I, I don't want to be sound judgmental and come across as like an idiot and yelling and hollering and shouting and stuff. I don't know how else to say it. Repent. Trust Jesus for your salvation. Let's stand. Let's pray. Noah, you're up, bud. Father, this is a, the church is in a bad way. And we thank you for the warning and I think we have an ear to hear. I, I trust that's the case. Lord, I specifically thank you for saving me, showing me your word, helping me trust you as a Savior and you alone. And Lord, perhaps there's others here who need to make that same decision. I pray, Spirit of God, that you'd move on their hearts. 
May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.